Welcome to Crikey Gems Podcast, the podcast where I talk about chronic illness, creativity and everything under the sun. I'm Gem Swallow, this is Crikey Gems Podcast. Hello, hello and welcome to episode 83, Second Opinion, The Turning Point. Hi guys, I hope that this episode finds you well and I know that if you follow me on my social media, you've probably been waiting for this episode to come out because I stated that you know, what with how things have been going with waiting for a second opinion and previous episodes leading up to this point, it all kind of fell on this one appointment that happened last week. Before we get stuck into it though, I would really like to say thank you to everyone that left direct messages on my Instagram and thank you to everyone that's shown so much support. I'm going to be honest, this has been like a really hard time to get through and it doesn't really help that the seasons change and also, you know, you get migraine and chronic fatigue syndrome, but along with the stress as well, it doesn't really help. But I do want to say a big thank you because it really did help and it's been such a hard time in my life. However, I actually tried recording this episode yesterday, which was quite strange. <laughs> I was recording this episode, and I'll be honest with you, my tablet is with with. Get your hair dry, Gem. My tablet is what I usually record on. Halfway through talking about what had happened last week, you know, at the second opinion, looked down and my tablet had conked out, and then afterwards I kind of felt emotional because I've been talking about the subject, and it wasn't a great experience, if I'm being honest, and. For the last few days, it's been replaying on my brain. I guess because my brain's been trying to deal with stuff and moving forward. Um, but I have made a decision, and it's a decision that I feel absolutely comfortable with, and it feels right. And so the last few days, I've just been resting because it's been a freaking battle, if I'm being honest. And so. Yeah, I just, I thought it was really important, you know, I charged up my tablet, I took that as a sign, like, Jamie, just need one more day, you know, recharge me and then come back at it. So it's been a whole 24 hours and I've had more time and I've just been chilling and I've noticed that I think I'd hit a wall emotionally. It's been a battle, it's been a fight and with everything, if you fight that hard, you're going to get tired from it. So I'm going to come at this with hopefully a new perspective. I think another thing that I found fascinating is that on the gear up towards the appointment, if you aren't an avid listener here, hello, you might have just found me via your social media channels. Hello, I'm Jem. Welcome to the podcast. I have endometriosis. Yet I'm one of the 10 women. It happens to any 10 women you might have. Put us in a room. One of us will have endometriosis. It's just just seems to be the way the cookie crumbles. I happen to be that one in 10. Didn't sign up for it, had no idea what it was. But yes, I've been living with the fact that now, two years ago, I got diagnosed with that I, Gem Swallow, have endo. I know, it's great, ain't it? So if you just found me, maybe you found me from some previous episodes I did of endometriosis, then this will hopefully tie up the loose ends because when I looked over previous episodes, I noticed how long it's taken to get to the place where it should have gone. So, if you're going through endo, and maybe you've looked at my previous episodes, noticed you know that I was going on the journey of having a hysterectomy, this should hopefully be the full stop at the end of that story. And if you're an avid listener here, I think it'll make sense to you. 
so I'm going to come at it from a community standpoint and also a mental health standpoint and also I guess what's gotten me to a decision that I've made. So a week ago I had my second opinion. Yeah, it's it feels it kind of I'm on the board of it feels still fresh, but also I'm moving forward. It does take time. And usually if I have a shock, it usually takes me a good two weeks to get over it. It's just the way my brain works. Everyone's different. So what had happened up until that point, I had my first consultation with my gynecologist. He was the bloke that carried out my laparoscopy that diagnosed endometriosis. Bear in mind, as I mentioned, this was two years ago. So a lot can happen, right? That was the first appointment. In my first appointment, I said to my gynecologist, and I wanted to make it absolutely clear, because I, much like you guys, and I want to thank so many women that have shared their story on places like Instagram, because there's such a community on there. People share, you know, their operations, they share what they're going through, and we're all, I mean, we're all just trying to do our best, but... Hearing people kind of say, like, I'm going through this for end, I'm going through that, and I've had the ability to kind of, and I guess, like, social media is a blessing in a way, we're so lucky to have it, but it's great because you get to talk to people that are all different stages of their journey, and also, I think, because when I was gearing up for the appointment, I have a habit, and I have this way of dealing with it where I want to close myself off. So I focus on the matter at hand, close myself off to outside forces, and then usually I hope it pans out. But last week, how it happened, I guess I'd taken some lessons from it. So my appointment came around after the previous appointment with my first gynecologist. And at that appointment, the first one, I wanted my gynecologist, because usually with an appointment, anyone knows that you usually get like a 15 minute window, and in that window it's your chance to tell them what you want them to know. You know, if you're having pain, what your life is like. Not as a patient, not as like a, you know, a filled out sheet of paper, what your life is like. So, I'm Jem, you know, and I have a life that's not completely wrapped around my uterus. Sorry, I, I talk with my hands, you might have just heard me. I get excited, what can I say? Um, so I you know, I'm I'm a patient I'm a patient, yeah, but I'm a person first. So that's kind of what I wanted to kind of get across to my gynecologist and I wanted to explain that I am in my thirties, you know, I've walked this planet for three decades make it that what you will, and so I wanted to say that, you know, that we're coming to an end of a year, to be honest, in my mind, it's like, from my formatting, I don't want to have to keep going through operations, they're not fun, and even though it's a physical thing, you have to be emotionally ready to go through operations, and with endometriosis, there's no cure for it, you know, for the most part, they ask you to manage it by taking pills, but there is no cure for it. And it's this is like the sticking point, and this is where I came to make my decision. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't really a hard decision to make. I guess on my way, on my kind of way of thinking, I wasn't in the right, I wasn't in the frame of mind to put all my eggs in one basket. So I had said, if you're kind of not up to scratch with the story. And you will have to forgive me because the last few days I've had nothing but migraine and chronic fatigue syndrome. So I'm trying to be as clear as I can be. Okay, so months ago, 
I mean, it must have been last year. I made the decision that I didn't want any more surgery. I'd had it with endo, you know. I felt completely, I was having a fatigue day, I remember that. And I made reference to it in previous episodes to do with endometriosis. I remember walking into the living room of my house and saying to my mum, I can't do this anymore. I don't want any more surgery. And if you have endometriosis, be it whether you've had one surgery, you might have had quite a few, you get to the point where you think you're literally losing a battle here. You know, all you're left with is trying to manage the pain, manage the fatigue, but there is no cure. So when I went to my first gynecology appointment, I made the decision to say to him, okay, I'm a person, all right? My solution, everyone knows there's no cure for endo. The only way you can manage it, you know, I know, like everyone else that has endo is they're going to throw stuff at you or offer you something that's going to stop your menstrual cycle and then hope that things, you know, your pain will die down. I know via being in the endometriosis community, you know, there are individual women that are brave enough to share their story. I know that these pills and these plastic things that to me remember to me resemble shoving kind of like a plastic coat hanger up your vagina to me that's just not fun that's not something it makes my teeth go on edge but if you have something like the marina coil and it works for you then that's great so with that in mind i kind of figured that hysterectomy was the only way to go and to be honest i was fine with that you know i thought if you can get rid of the problem i have other health conditions too i have fibromyalgia chronic fatigue syndrome and migraine I kind of had this instinct that all of my chronic illnesses are wrapped up in one. I started my period at 12. At 25, migraine came back into my life. I also got migraine for the first time at 12 years old. So you don't have to be Einstein to kind of put all the dots together and think this is kind of hormonal, right? And for a lot of women, migraine are hormonal. It just seems to be the way the cookie crumbles. So with this in mind, I figured that, you know what? Most of my other conditions, chronic fatigue is thought to be neurological. Migraine, I know, is neurological. However, endo is a disease. Endometriosis is the one thing that grows for me on the outside of my womb and attaches itself to organs. It's growing via estrogen. I don't have a say over it. If I had to go back two years or whatever, I would, at birth, I kind of don't remember signing a contract to say, yes, please, put estrogen on my list. It didn't happen. So, with this in mind, I figured that if I got rid of my womb, okay, and I had no plans to have any more babies, anything, you know, it was, this was just my decision to make, and it was kind of simple. I remember... Around about a year ago, give or take, I was sat there, and I've made reference to it in the podcast before, I was sat there in my living room, and I was having a moment to myself, and I realised that I wouldn't mind having a hysterectomy, you know, and it would be closing the door on endo. So, I thought this was the right choice for me, and I kind of felt empowered, because I thought, I've made the decision, I'm in my 30s, it's not like I'm, you know a teenager I don't you know I don't have to worry about whether I'm gonna meet someone and start a family that kind of thing that's kind of not it's kind of already happened I'm further along in my journey I'm further along in age and it wasn't something that I was you know I'm not planning on getting pregnant there's I don't have the structure in my life to 
bring a baby into it and to be the kind of mother that I'd love to be to a baby, you know, at this point in my life. So with that in mind, I thought, you know what, much like everyone in the endo community and much like every other human being you can think of, to be honest, if you have something that's debilitating you, if you have something that's severely impacting your life, what are you going to do? You're going to research it, right? You're going to get onto online and see as much information as you can get. And I think that's cool. I think that's right because you're supposed to know what's going to happen to your body. And for me, a lot of it helped me out. It helped me to make this decision. However, something that has been going around on social media from people with endometriosis and, you know, other conditions is that they kind of find it hard finding the right team. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think that was going to happen to me. Little did I know. So when I went to my first gynecology appointment after the operation, I made sure to tell this registrar, didn't even know who this woman was, right? Never met her before. I said to this registrar that I wanted to have a hysterectomy. It was my decision to make and I wanted to have it. She shoved Zolidex on me and said, take this, it'll put you on a pre, you know, put you into a menopausal state and then you can get to grips with what menopause is like. My mum was with me at that appointment and my mum said to me, if you have this injection it doesn't go, you know, it doesn't agree with you because I've had pills before that have been progesterone only, you know, they stop your menstrual cycle. Mentally, trigger warning here, mentally they made me feel suicidal and they made me feel so low I did not know which way was up. And to me that's not an ideal way, you know, to live. To me. I can only manage pain if my head's in the right place. If my head's not in the right place and I've got pain, I literally have to find something emotionally to grip onto to think it's going to be okay. Pain doesn't last. It dips, you know, it's not constant. It dips with your cycle. It's going to be okay. When I took this pill, because three years ago I grew a polyp, and um, when I took this pill to have a polypectomy, to have the polyp removed, I remember it turned my world on its head. And I have had contraceptive pills in the past they didn't agree with me they made me feel sick and there's nothing worse than when you're trying to take a pill to help alleviate symptoms and they bring on a whole host of other ones right so with this in mind i know that synthetic hormones much like zolidex and though others are available if they work for you fabulous but for me i know they don't work well i know that they don't work well with my the way my body's formatted so with this in mind this is what helped me to make a decision I remember contacting my GP and I was a little bit worried because I had to ask my GP to put me forward to have Zolidex injections so it would have meant going to my local GP surgery to start them. I remember talking to my GP because I thought Zolidex never heard of it before and I thought if it's an injection that to me scares, scares the living crap out of me, you know, I don't know what's in this injection. So I contacted my GP and my GP said it's synthetic. And I kind of got the idea of this is something that basically once it's in your system, you have to have it every month. But once it's in your system, like everything, you have to wait it out. Well, most things, if you take a pill, within 24 hours it comes out. Your body kind of knows what to do. It crunches it down. It gets rid of it. If you drink plenty, that helps it along the way. With, with an injection, though, there's only so much of it you can sweat out and stuff. You know, it's going to have an, uh, you know, an impact on you. 
add this to the fact that when I was 25, I had migraines. Now, I'll be honest, it was stressful. Migraines come along in times of stress. It gave you a hint of, okay, you're taking on way too much stress. You need to either figure out what's causing the stress or cut it out of your life, right? So when I was 25, I was unemployed. And with this, it was, it was one of the worst times in my life. And it still plays on my mind now because of being chronically ill. But I'm going to be talking about that hopefully in the next episode. So please do stay tuned this way. When I was 25 though, my migraines came and I was literally bed bound by them. I rarely left the house. I did not know which way was up. And I had to, much like I mentioned just now, grab hold of something to pull me through that and think it's going to be okay. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and before you know it, it's in your rear view mirror. So with that in mind, now as I mentioned, I'm now in my, well, early 30s. I don't want to go back there. To me, that's that's such a negative place I've come from, so I'm going to fight to not go back there. I don't think I'm unreasonable in that. And I kind of think if I have to go back there, I don't know how long I can last in that. And I'm not going to do it just to stop my menstrual cycle. To me, it's I'm not getting enough back to make that decision. So when I talk to my GP about it, I also know that if you're going to try certain synthetic hormones, if you're going to go into the menopause, Sometimes they ask you whether, you know, HRT, and that's to combat things like depression. It's basically to bring your estrogen back up, which to me, it kind of won't work. Here's why. I have a family history of cancer. Both sides of the family has cancer. I've had many relatives die from it. My mum's had ovarian cancer. I've seen that. You know, a lot of my memories growing up, I've, I've seen what that does. That's what's made me a lot of who I am today. And HRT, yes, is synthetic, but I'm, I was of the mind that let's just, I know I'm going to be okay. Let's just get through the whole operation of taking away my womb, taking away my ovaries, because they are the problem, okay? I know from having an ultrasound done that I have an endometrioma on my right ovary, I have retrograde bleeding, and I know I have endometriosis. I know, you know? So... It was caught, basically, on this ultrasound. I just feel like every turn I've been lied to, to be honest. And this is what's led me to a decision that I've made. So, in the first one, in the first one, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, my first appointment seeing my gynecologist, I said to him, you know, I'm a person, I want to move on with my life, This, I just want to get endo out of my body, out of my life, and to continue, you know, I kind of thought that if you get rid of that, a lot of my other conditions would either level out or go away completely, and I was kind of going along by my instinct, which I believe is there for a reason, and as I mentioned, I've done a lot of research, which is key in my decision, so... Because I put it on the line that I'm a person, I'm not a walking ovary, I'm not a walking incubator, and there, there is evidence to show that endometriosis is there, my, my gynecologist turned around and said, okay, we're going to refer you to a second opinion. Then, even though it's controversial, this is the one word that caught me, because I thought, that's slightly weird, you know. He said, because of your age is quite controversial, we'd need funding, and I refer you, and I thought, controversial, I thought, 
what has age got to do with anything? If I was, like, in my late teens, I could understand it. You know, a lot of things can happen. If I was maybe in my early 20s, I can understand it. A lot of things can happen. But I thought, I don't know, that just that stuck out like a red flag to me. So, two weeks later, I'm going to get my next appointment. This is when it kind of went downhill pretty fast. And something that I noticed is that with this podcast, I use it as kind of like a journal because I know that I have the most amazing listeners and I know that we all get something from it. And so for me, I kind of wanted to document it because someone else might have the same thing. And when I went to the second appointment, the strange thing was the energy shifted. I kept saying to my other half, Jack, I, I, can't, I don't want to go. And I remember it was, it was at night and I was sat on the toilet. You know, I mean, we're going to be talking about vaginas here. Let's kind of talk about toilet needs as well. Sat on the toilet, we were getting ready to go to bed. And I said to Jack, something, I, I don't think this is going to take place. I went, I really don't think this is going to happen. In my mind, and looking back over previous episodes, I noticed that it was taking far too long. And to me, something didn't feel right. So... The following morning, I got up and I felt like, I don't know, I, I didn't feel on the ball. You know, like when sometimes you wake up and you think it's going to be a great appointment. You know, we're going to hammer down the details and we're going to go to the next step. And you kind of think this is going to be great. You know, I know pretty much everything there is to know. And we can kind of put a date in the diary, go up there, have the appointment. I mean, have the procedure done, come home and then I can move forward didn't quite pan out that way and that's what I think shocks me so back in April I had an ultrasound done and the woman that told me about the ultrasound she had found I didn't know at the time anyone that has endo probably is familiar with the pulling of endo which is usually the you know the adhesions and or otherwise known as the lesions or you know the pain you know what it feels like Trying to talk to someone that might not have endo is very difficult. It's like trying to describe the sky or trying to describe something because people have different ways of experiencing things. If we all experience things the same way, we'd all be the same and that would be bloody boring, wouldn't it? So I remember going to my ultrasound back in April. My mum came with me and um, it was known as a transvaginal ultrasound, which basically means they've got this wand that looks like a dildo or a vibrator. They put KY jelly on it, so it's cold anyway. It's quite the experience, but it's not one that, you know, I guess it's an experience you can put down in your book, I suppose. So I remember going there, laying down on this bed, my legs parted, kind of like you're giving birth in a way. My mum was to my left, and I gripped on my mum's hand, and I thought, okay, I could feel I was on like, as any woman would be that had anxiety. You know, this isn't something that is great you're not like on a friday night i want to have a trans vagina ultrasound because i want to get high it just doesn't happen so i was laying there on this bed my legs spread and i had like this um paper thing over my legs all very glamorous and my mum was sat next to the bed holding my hand and i remember so the woman put the trans let's just call it i don't know they call it the wand okay let's kind of go a bit wandish so they put this wand up me 
and she because they have to kind of it works by sound waves my mum can actually see a bit of the screen and she said it was kind of, you know that scene in alien okay i referred to this back in episode one you know that kind of scene in alien where um ripley is in that room and she's got like this little um screen right and there's like sound waves because they're trying to see where the aliens are imagine that but it's getting an image of your uterus and your ovaries, okay? That's I can describe it. You are welcome for that image. So, <laughs> I was sat there. I couldn't see absolutely anything. I asked my sonographer if I could see it, but I don't think the screen was all that big. It was like about the same size as maybe, I don't know, like a, a five-inch tablet or a smartphone. So there I was. And as she was going up, she has to kind of, God knows how it does it up there, how they get the room, because I honest, then again, I've never shoved anything up there and wiggled it. It's, it's not been on my list of priorities to do, but she put this wand up and wiggled it around and she saw my ovaries in all their glory, supposedly. And then she asked me if I, you know, if my number twos were regular and I thought, what a strange question to ask. Well, I went, yeah, pretty much. I had I had had anxiety that morning. Anyone that has anxiety knows that your stomach is going to pay the price, okay? What do you do in fight or flight? You shit to be lighter to run away from the problem, okay? Most people know this. I'm no different. Contrary to popular belief, I am but human, okay? I didn't shit there and then, I have to, you know, I hasten to add. But my stomach was a bit offish because I I had anxiety. I, I won't, I will admit it. So... When I came off of the bed, I don't know why, I felt faint anyway because, you know, I'd had this thing prodded up me and kind of moving around all creation up there trying to see my ovaries. Happy to say that I think she found them. And then when I got off the bed, I did, uh, what makes it worse is I was at the end of my period, which you feel yucky anyway, you know. It's not glamorous. Natural, yes. Glamorous, no. So I was coming off of the bed and I remember... I've never seen endo myself on a screen. When I'd done research, like, I'd seen what endo looks like on an x-ray. Because you can't usually pick it up on x-rays. So that's why you need an operation. So you can get on in there and check it out. So, when I got off, I was curious. And I thought, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I didn't have my phone with me. And in that split second, I thought, mum hasn't got her phone. I don't have mine. So I thought, if I can take an image, then I can see what I'm up against. She didn't show me the image. She left it on the screen. Behind the curtain I was, getting on me, me knickers and me jeans, you know. I'm human, that's how you get dressed. And she went to her desk, which was around about a metre away. My mum was worried about me because, as I mentioned, I was on my period. I had anxiety in the morning and I'd also been prodded towards an inch of my life. So, as I was looking on the screen, I could see my left ovary now i kind of think they're pretty they're pretty to look at on an x-ray okay they are they're kind of like um a gray like a spirit color if you kind of when people say they've seen a ghost <laughs> which kind of leads me on we've got a great episode coming up as a halloween special <laughs> but no seriously that is happening but there was like an where i saw my ovary they're quite they're gray i'll be honest with you it's basically like a guy's testicles but they're grey on the screen and slightly smaller. Pretty much what they look like, if I'm being honest, because that's what they are, right? They're kind of like female equivalent to balls, right? Let's be, let's be kind of frank about this. 
So I remember seeing my ovary and I thought, okay, recognize that. So my fallopian tubes, recognize that. Well, at least I saw one. Where the sonographer had put it, as she had like moved the screen around, I couldn't see my other ovary. Now I know it's there. I've seen it when I had the polyp. When I saw the ultrasound, the lady was nice and let me see the screen. When I saw that, it was great. It looked like a scene out of Independence Day. Okay, flying saucer shape, that was the one thing that stood out. Never saw a polyp, didn't know what it was, but I saw my ovary, and the first thing I thought was, that's quite pretty. You know, kind of like a pearl colour, really nice, as you do. So, I am but human, I find these things interesting. So, when I saw the sonographer's screen, the first thing that caught my eye was that where my ovaries were located, I could see where they were located by the thing, but where my bowel was... Because anyone that's checked up on research knows that, you know, where the bow is. And I had what resembled red grapes. Literally, like, imagine you've got a hand, your hand, right? And you've got, like, a ton of red grapes. Because the reason why I say red grapes is because they're the darker ones. You get green and red. So where you have, like, your hand, they had red grapes there. And I remember saying to my mum, I was trying to be quiet, and I thought, mum hasn't got her phone. I don't have mine. I thought I have no way of taking a picture to turn around and say, what's this? And I thought, okay, I'm just going to... And I wish to God that morning I had taken my phone, you know? I kind of wish, or even my smartwatch, because that's got a camera on it. I, re- I was going to put it on in that morning, but I thought, don't need it. kind of wish I would taken it. No one knows it's there on the watch. It's all very spy-like. So, I mean, shh. But anyway, <laughs> I remember getting dressed and going over towards his desk and this woman said to me, you don't have endo. I kind of thought I was in a mixture right there headspace because I thought, hold on, I'm getting pain. You're telling me I don't have endo. Please tell me this isn't all in my head. And I thought, oh my God, maybe I'm going crazy. I felt faint at the end of my hormones. So naturally you're going to feel a bit, you know, awry anyway. And I thought, oh God, I thought, I'm, I'm literally going mad. She's, you do have a tear in your womb. I thought, I have a tear in my womb. It was so much information to take. And this appointment has snowballed into last week, right? So in my mind, I thought, I have a tear in my womb. I'm like, is it like I'm clapping down there? It's like my womb just kind of going... As I'm walking, I'm like, surely, how would you, I kind of, in my head, I was like, how can you have a tear in your womb? How big is this tear? Can you sew it up? And this woman was like, you can talk to your GP or your surgeon about this. And I thought, how the hell did it tear? I thought, how, how does this happen? These were literally the thoughts. And I thought, is this serious? Is this something I need to worry about? I mean, someone tells you you have a tear in your womb and you're going to freak. I defy anyone not to. And then she said, you also have an irritable bowel. My mum says, well, my mum has irritable bowel syndrome and my younger brother has been known to have IBS. I've never had bowel problems. I'm lucky. Touchwood never kind of gone down that road. And, um... When she said, she goes, and you're clear, there's nothing there. And I thought, okay. I then felt emotional because I had so many emotions going through me. I came out of that thing. I shook the woman's hand 
and I came out, and my mum said, it's, it's not there, that's great, isn't it? And with IBS, you can take pills, that's easily managed. And I was like, yeah. I wanted to go home, I wanted to talk to my other half about it, and I literally wanted to cry. All I wanted to do, we couldn't find a way out of the hospital either. I mean, that was a whole other experience, but I just wanted to cry. And I wanted to... I felt like... There were no words. Literally, there was no words for that emotion. Confused, I guess, would be the word that... If I had to kind of pluck one out of the air, that would be what I'd label that experience as. So, a few weeks later, I contacted my GP, because we were talking about Zolodex, and I said to my GP about... Um, you know, what my findings were. And I said, oh, apparently I haven't got endo. And he said, he looked over my notes on the computer and this is what led me to distrusting my team. So the doctor said to me, you do have something. And I thought, when you think, I mean, I don't know why, right? I remember seeing this image a few years ago of like how you can grow the cysts and they can have teeth and eyes and hair. And I thought, do I have that? Literally, your mind jumps to some weird, jumps to some bad things because you're trying to protect yourself from information that you know is incoming, but you don't know how it's going to hurt you. And my GP turned around and said, you have an endometrioma. And I thought, I remember seeing, like, I remember seeing these words, like, as I'd done research before, but I completely forgot right there in the split second what it was. And I thought, I went, what's that? He went, it's a cyst. You have it on your right ovary. And I was like, I've got a cyst there. Right then, I remember my other half was in the room. He obviously couldn't hear the conversation. And I remember thinking, it's got to my ovaries. When I had my laparoscopy first time, they told me that it kind of was creeping up where my fallopian tubes were. And it was in my pouch of Douglas. My ovaries seemed to be fine. And I was quite lucky, so I was like, they're my pearls of wisdom, there they are, you know, and they're clear, go me, you know, that's one thing I can take away from this experience, yo me, the ovaries are fine. When I came off with this phone call, though, I thought, I think I cried. I remember turning around to Jack and saying, it's on my ovary. Jack was like, what do you mean it's on your ovary? And I thought, how am I supposed to handle this? I've gone for weeks thinking, I'm clear, I'm in the clear. I mean, I have been blessed. And then thinking, well, not quite. And then he said, you also have retrograde bleeding. And I thought, oh, crap. Which basically means that when you shed your lining of your womb when you have periods, especially when you have endometriosis, the blood collects in your pelvic cavity and there's nowhere for it to go. So because it builds up, you can create lesions which means that uh, bits of the cells turn into kind of like this the material that it kind of causes a lot of pain it's not great it's not pretty and um i remember coming off the thing and feeling angry hurt and emotional all in the same go i went downstairs and i remember saying to my mum i have an endometrioma and i have retrograde bleeding he didn't make reference to the fact that i had you know a a, a torn womb and um, at the, by this time, I'd actually been taking IBS pills. And I said to my GP that I'd taken them, but I noticed they weren't affecting me. Like, literally, like, my, my stools weren't bad to begin with. You know, that I weren't runny. They, I mean, let's be, I'm going to be blunt here. You know, they weren't runny. They weren't a different colour. Nothing. I was, I was great in that area. One area I was actually okay with. 
And then I remember I tried out these pills, which you can get over the counter. And I tried them and I thought, well, they're not really doing much. I'm expecting to feel less pain. And when I'd seen adverts on TV about IBS, I couldn't connect with them because the pain wasn't in that place. Like when people say, you know, you get a tight knot or you feel like, you know, it's discomfort in your main stomach area. For me, it wasn't like that. And I thought, massive confusion at this point. So I remember saying to my mum about it. My mum was fuming. And I did what any patient in my in my place would do because I'll be honest with you I kind of thought I'm a human I'm a woman this is happening to me I'm being lied to I deserve at the very least the truth and I complained I filed a complaint and I kind of felt bad for it because I thought well this woman you know she's doing her job but I thought no the amount of emotional turmoil you put me into because you couldn't tell me the truth and I thought, how dare you? You know, it gives you the right to lie to people. You're in a position of honesty. You're in a position of truth. And with the help of Jack and, you know, with my mum, I had the support and I thought, I'm going to file a complaint. I got an apology, but I thought, at least my voice speaking out might help another woman in that kind of thing. And I thought, that is not okay with me, you know. Fast forward now and it's October. The findings still have haunted me. Last week's appointment was like the the accumulation of it all. Someone put it in a box and hammered it down, passed me and said, this is our shit gift to you. And as my younger brother pointed out, it's a shit show. And I think that was a great definition of my experience. So when I went to my second opinion, now I knew there was like something going on with my bowel. Upon reflection, I've had a few days to kind of gather my thoughts, and I know that it might be due to anxiety. A lot of my conditions have anxiety with them, i.e. fibromyalgia, migraine, and I know I have chronic fatigue syndrome. A lot of those, as a comorbid like symptom, you can have anxiety with. So I figured, okay, you know what, you don't have to be Einstein, but when you take a step back, you kind of see like there's similarities. So I thought, anxiety is a natural Thing. your body's trying to protect itself with me my body kind of chooses to fight I mean to run away but I'm more of a fight kind of girl it's more I've kind of the way in which I've been you know raised I'm not one to usually back away from a fight I'm usually one to kind of try and break that glass wall down so when I went to the second opinion no one had I've been referred by the first um, my gynecologist I've been referred to a gastroenterologist no one told me why no one told me like what the findings would be i had to look it up i had to kind of figure out if they find endo on my bowel i might have to have a bit cut out i might be left with like a stoma bag also known as a colostomy bag and i thought okay and me and jacks were trying to figure out kind of like if i would feel okay with that and i figured you know what if it helps me with healing it's something that I'm, I'll, I'll do you know if it keeps me out of pain and gives my body time to heal, then okay. I had that going on. No one had told me about this. No one had pointed out what the findings would be. No one said, okay, I'm going to refer you to this gastroenterologist and they're going to put this camera down you and see what your bowel is like. And if endo shows up, then this will prove good evidence to go to the board, ask for funding. No one said that to me. I had to literally look it up. No one also said the fact that 
if I had to have a bit of my, if I had to have my entire bow cut out, or a piece of it cut out, I'd end up with a bag. And I figured, what, what is the, com- what is the communication here? Oh wait, lack of, you know. So, when I went to the second opinion, my head was all over the place, as to be honest, you can probably understand up until this point. I went to the appointment, and oh my god, from start to finish, it was, as my brother referred to it when I told him about it, it was a shit show, it really was. So, I always end up turning up early for my appointments, because I figure sometimes I see you on time, a lot of the time, maybe 15 minutes, because, you know, these things can go over to extra time, you know, they have a lot of patients to see. I'm not unreasonable, you know, a lot of people that have appointments think, ah, give or take 15 minutes, it's cool. Showed up to this appointment, sat down in this appointment area, and that's when it began. So I, I was sat in this big reception area, and the amount of things, that, first of all, I'm sensitive anyway, and as you might imagine, having anxiety and stuff, you're going to pick up on vibes, you know? You don't have to kind of be like, I don't know, a Buddha to realise there's a lot of energies going around in this room. This is the place where women go for ultrasounds and for endometriosis and whatever gynaecology stuff goes on there. And you had women going through inoculations as well, you know, flu jabs. So you've got a lot of anxiety, a lot of hope, a lot of, you know, you know happiness, and a lot of people being peed off as well, much like I ended up with the appointment. So I was sat there, the amount of things I was witnessing wasn't helping me. I'd seen one woman that was in tears, and they were carrying around like these A6 type, I don't know, portfolio kind of bags, which to me I realised, you know, must be to do with ultrasound or recording at every kind of stage of the pregnancy. So... I was in this appointment area for around about half an hour when this woman came and got me and moved me to a secondary appointment area. Sat there and I was sat with these women. Now, I'll be honest, pregnancy doesn't bother me. It's natural, okay? And for me, I think what made it worse was it was such a long time coming and no one had told me anything. No one had told me what to expect. I had to ask someone on Instagram who had gone through um, a thing if they had gone through a second opinion. And she gave me the greatest advice. She said, it's your turn to ask a lot of, you know, a lot of questions. I thought, okay, now I have some sort of pathway to what to expect. I was in the second um, appointment area. There was a radio on. And if you know me at all, you'll know that I pick up on signs and symbols and I'm very spiritual. And as I was sat there, I was watching these people go backwards and forwards. You know, I saw couples coming in because they were being inoculated for the flu jab and as you might expect, a lot of, you know, mums-to-be might have been worried about whether whether or not it was a good idea and stuff. And I was sat in this appointment area for about a good half an hour at this point. I was starting to ache. I wanted to go home. And I thought, I was starting to get hungry. And I thought, it's now been an hour. And I was texting my mum at this time. And my mum texted me and said, have you been seen yet? I text, no, not yet. I thought, have they forgotten about me? Add this to the fact I didn't know what to expect upon going into my appointment. And I'll be honest with you, a week or so prior to this appointment, I'd actually written this this consultant a letter to state that up until this point, I felt like there was minimal communication and that I have anxiety and I feel like as a patient, your gynecology team should work with you as a team, you know? 
the red flag was there, really. But I thought, I'm all about finding a solution. Let's move forward. So, when I was sat there, I was listening to the, the um, radio, and the strangest kind of thought kind of entered into my mind. I felt like a spare part there. I wasn't pregnant. You know, I wasn't waiting to see my little bundle of joy on an ultrasound. I wasn't... I don't know, I, I wasn't there feeling hope, like seeing if my baby had had ten fingers and ten toes, or, you know, do they look like me, do they have hair, you know, are they doing a thumbs up or a finger up, you know, there was nothing happening there. To me, I didn't know what to expect, and I'll be honest with you, I had to stop myself from getting up and walking out and thinking, I can't, you know, it's taking too long, what do you want? So, my mum texted me and said, why don't you ask the reception area how long they're going to be, and I thought, okay, at this point, time it's weird anyone that has chronic health conditions will know that your life and your day-to-day -day life is all about routine if your routine is kind of buggered up in some way you're going to pay for it especially if you have some sort of fatigue thrown in the mix so as i was sat there i thought i was get i was starting to get frustrated at this point so i thought i felt for, i felt forgotten completely forgotten at this point it'd been over an hour and I know you'd probably be screaming it, <laughs> screaming out loud into the room or wherever you are listening. You probably would have thought, Jem, darling, why didn't you just get up and go? I'm with you. I really am. I mean, that would make logical sense, right? So I went to see... Sorry, I'm, I'm starting to ache, so I'm moving about on my chair. And um, my mouth can move faster than my body. So, <laughs> so I went to my reception area and I said to the woman... Do you know where my consultant will be? She took my name and she said, I'll go and see what's happening. And I thought, okay, you know what? Five minutes or so, I'll go and see him. Be a great experience. I'll know more. Come out. Happy days, right? Did not happen that way. I was sat there and um, I was listening to this radio. Whitney Houston came over the um, radio. And it was a song I hadn't heard in ages. And she, the actual song was really soothing. And I remember looking at the radio and I think it was a sign... I think where I was so hit up and so anxious, I think, I really don't think it was a sign. I was looking at this radio that was a digital one. And up until this point, I was looking around, because if you've ever been to doctor's surgery, you'll see if there's any conditions, like if there's any posters that are connected to what you're there for. Up until this stage, I'd seen one poster with endometriosis on it. There was nothing about polycystic ovary syndrome. There was nothing at all about... There was nothing there that was that was relevant to what I was there for. I don't have PCOS, but that's another gynecology kind of... And having Being a podcaster, you kind of get to know all these words and what they mean. But as an endo-sufferer, there was nothing there. There wasn't even anything there on PMS. Nothing. So when I was sat there, I was looking at this radio, and I was feeling this... I was um, listening to this chilled-out radio station. I was listening to Whitney Houston... And um, I was kind of focusing on that. You know, people are coming backwards and forwards, and I think I needed kind of like a an anchor. I needed something to hold on to. So I was listening to that, and as I looked at this radio, I thought, I wonder if my podcast does this. I sat there and I thought, because I thought I'm in no way in connection with anything that's going around me. But I thought, I wonder if my podcast actually comforts people. I wonder if they've ever listened to me when they've gone to an appointment or if they feel scared or anxious. And I thought, I was looking and I thought, that's actually quite amazing, you know. And that was something that I held on to. I didn't feel connection, but I felt, okay, I, I have a life, you know. And at this point, I kind of felt a little bit low because of the energies and stuff that were in the room. 
And I thought, okay, I thought, I have a partner, I'm a podcaster, I've got so much to be proud of, I've got an amazing family, I have a great, I have online friends, I thought, I'm, concentrate on this, Jen, just concentrate on this and it'll be okay. That, I guess, should have been when I thought, I can't do this, get up and go. I mean, at this stage, it had been over an hour and a half. And I thought, I was starting to get hungry, my concentration was starting to go. And I thought, oh, and as with anyone that has fatigue, you'll know that you get emotional. It's kind of like being around a toddler that hasn't gone down for their nap yet. You get emotional and you're trying to combat that. And you're in a place of pub. I don't get out that much, okay, for the very reason that I have fatigue. But I built up all this energy and I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to stick this out. I could hear this woman say my name, but they weren't in the room. They were kind of like off on the corridor somewhere and they were saying my name and that kind of threw me as well because I thought I don't know what they're talking about and I thought okay I, I kind of felt a bit defensive at this stage and I thought this is taking way too long my mum was starting to worry as well and I thought this is this just ain't right the surgeon come and well the consultant came and got me and um he watched me as I got I walked with a walking stick because I have chronic fatigue syndrome as I walk, and also fibromyalgia, it helps me, you know, if I didn't have it, I'd be a lot more whacked out. But if I go somewhere, like an appointment or to my local high street, if I go out and about, the stick comes with me. And um, even on my notes, it says, you know, my age, female, walks with a stick. I mean, some people will say, check out the blonde over there or something like that. But not me, I'm identified by my walking aid. So as I walk through the waiting room to this consultant... He looks at the way I'm walking, that's my first kind of element because I'm thinking, I feel defensive. I feel like at this stage I'm being judged. As I walk in, he says, have a seat. So I thought, okay, fine, we're going to get this ball started. You know, it's going to happen. He apologised for the wait, but I thought, an hour and a half? And at this stage, to be honest, I was really tired. I felt emotional. I don't think that's, I don't think that that should have had to have happened, you know? So as we went into the room, I sat down, there was this young fella on like the end, sat down in this chair and we got stuck into, you know, the, the, the theme of the day, I guess you could say. He had this bit of paper that he was writing down things and he said he'd familiarise himself with my notes. I beg to differ on that. Um, so he was asking me about my other conditions and the first thing I thought was, well, if you familiarise yourself with my notes, you would know all this. And he said, you know, you're here as a second opinion for a hysterectomy. And I said, yeah, he came right the way back to Zolodex. I said my findings. And I think with this, I don't know why the vibe changed. And I felt like my amount of research and my amount of looking into this stuff, it kind of gave me an idea. This bloke didn't like it because I looked into this stuff. And I, for lack of a better word, I guess you could turn around and say threatened, I guess. That's the only word that comes to me at this point. And um, I think that if, you know, being a part of any community, especially with chronic health conditions, it's your right to know what's happening in your body and it's your right to know what the next step is. It's not rocket science, you know. We're not in the 1950s as well, just putting that out there. So as I was sat there, 
um, he was asking me kind of like my period. Now, I have no problem with talking about periods, okay? I mean, it's natural. Women bleed. It's We have wounds, you know. You're either going to get pregnant or you bleed. It's just the way the cookie crumbles, so to speak. <laughs> Gross. And um, as I was... <laughs> Gross myself out there. As I was sat there and he said about my periods and he said, do you pass blood clots? In the past, I've been known to. And um, I said, no. You know, I... I basically I thought now what how I describe things I don't know it might come across as funny it's just me it's just the way I know how to describe it and I thought this and this bloke in the kind of corner I had no idea where he was I didn't feel comfortable talking about my innermost workings my vagina with a complete stranger both of them were strangers to me I'd never met them before so at least my elaborate my main consultant he'd seen the deeper side of me he'd been in and seen my organs and my he'd give me a smear test you know that kind of he went deep, there was a lot happening, these two, I never met them before, and now I'm supposed to talk about my menstrual cycle with these people, so there I was sat there, and this guy, and I thought, okay, I thought, my first line of defence here, I guess, sarcasm, just the way my personality goes, you know, I sometimes I'll be funny, it depends on the time of day you're listening to me, you can't please everyone, you know, I know I'm British, but I guess you could turn around and say, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And that's fine. You know, that's the way the world works. So as I sat there, I said, okay, you know, my first two days of my period, I bleed and it swims. There is menstrual blood on my pad and my pad literally is swimming. And I thought, okay, I've got embarrassed. Just the way it is. You know, it's fact. So as I was, you know, I was taking it all in. And then he said about my sex life. I answered that question. And then he said about Zolodex. And I, I thought, okay, I've mentioned this in a letter. I don't know how many times I can go over the same thing. And I thought, I'm approaching this wall again, aren't I? And I said, when I was 25, I got migraines and they floored me. I have migraines i know the side effects of these of these pills and of these injections i'm not willing to give up what limited health i have to stop my period he sat there but you know that when someone's eyes glaze over and you can tell they're not taking it in and that to me really annoyed me so he said okay when you go through zolidex he was making ref reference to Lodex. I know by talking to my GP there are other brands available. And um, it doesn't matter to me though because I'm not doing it. Something that I flatly refuse and it's within my rights to do so. Feels right to me to say no, so I'm saying no. Um, so I said to him, Lodex is synthetic. I said, I don't do well when synthetic. I said, so for me, it isn't a attractive choice. I don't want to do it. And he said, it would have put you in a menopause. I said, however, I said, yeah, I said, but how I see it, you don't, what you get with Zolodex, you might not get in the menopause. I found out a day after, not everyone gets hot flushes. Not everyone, not everyone gets all of the symptoms. It depends on the kind of body you have. And for me, I kind of felt like he was sticking to this kind of, I don't know, like, a template of what, he, like, the, um, menopause was, and was trying to sell me that. And due to, kind of, like, 
researching to me. I don't want to tell. I'm not going to buy what he's selling. I've done research. I'm a woman. I've had periods. This bloke, as far as I know, hasn't. So he said to me um, about the menopause, and I said, okay, and this is where I really should have got up and walked. Because if I kind of, I mean, I've had a few days to kind of like think about this. I kind of think that I should have kind of turned around and said, you've given me your opinion. Thank you. I'm off now. But because I was frustrated, hungry, tired, I mean, you're not always in your best. And I felt so really pissed about it, if I'm being honest. And when I was sat there, and I said, I'm not willing to try it. And he made me feel kind of like you're making yourself ill for not trying this. And um, I sat there and I said, how about, I said, I can understand what you're saying. I said, but how about we go through the operation I see how my symptoms are at the end of the operation. I thought, I'm not shouting. I'm not making a nuisance of myself. I'm being fairly reasonable. This is happening to my body. This bloke doesn't have periods. He doesn't have endo. You know, I'm not just a uterus. So I said to him, how about you give me the operation and then afterwards, if I have to, I would consider HRT. Now, I felt I had to bargain because I felt like I'd hit a wall and I, I felt, why are you doing this to me? Why are you being so difficult? And to be honest, it came, it bubbled up. And um, he said to me, I am not willing to operate on you unless you do this. So I went, well, then we have a problem here, don't we? I said, because I'm not doing it. And he went, he kind of, it gave me a look and his body language changed and the bloke behind him, his body language changed. And I thought, none of you are women. You have no idea what I go through. So I said to him, and I thought, okay, the gloves are off. I thought, I felt kind of like, you've hit, I've hit my limit now. I'm ready for some sort of resolution. He kept saying the other day, I kept saying no. And I said, I feel like we're, we're going around in circles here. I said, and I feel like we're not going to agree. And he said, we're trying to help you. I went, you're not. And he went, yes, we are. I went, no, you're not. I said, if you knew what it took and takes for me to come up here, sit here, and talk to you about what is going on. I said, I'm talking to you about my, I said, I've never met any of you before. I'm talking to you about the innermost workings of my vagina here. I said, I'm a person. I said, I'm not going back to being ill just to stop my periods. And um, I don't know, he kind of got a bit cocky if I'm being honest, and I saw red. And I thought, I'm not going to sit here anymore. I thought, this is it. This is, I'm done. So he said to me, you have to respect what it is I'm saying to you. I went, I understand that. And I do, but you have to respect what it is I'm saying to you. And I thought, I've known dominance my whole life, mate. I'm not about to take it from you. You have PhD. You might have had 20 minutes in some sort of conference room. I've had a lifetime of this, buddy. You know, I'm a woman. I bleed. This is my life. For you, this is 15 minutes. For me, this is my life. And I thought, I'm, I'm doing this for every... In my mind, it's kind of like, I'm doing this for every woman that has to go through doctor surgery to say, help me, and you get turned away. For every woman that doesn't go through, you know, doesn't want to go through contraception pills because they, you have side effects. And it's like, as my other half would say, men wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, I'm not sexist at all, but I'm like, come on now, you know? What's the point of becoming a surgeon or a consultant if you're not going to help someone that's coming to you and asking for help? 
So I said to him, because you kept making reference to my age, and I said to him, you, you know, you're right, I am in my 30s. I believe I have the chance to get out of pain, move forward with my life, and not have to worry about this. I said, endo is a disease. Nobody wins. I said, there's no cure. So my other conditions, I literally reiterated to him what I said to my first consultant. That's what was annoying to me because I thought, surely, the, you know, what I'd said, first of all, it took so much guts for me and so much for me to kind of get up the energy to explain in a calm manner how I was feeling. And then it was kind of like, I was like, I'm literally hitting up against a wall. And I'm like, how dare you? You're a bloke. You don't bleed. You have no idea. I mean, it's like, I don't think I'm being unreasonable in this. So he kept saying Zolodex and I said, I'm not having it. I'm not doing it. I thought, you know, and he said, we can't make you. I said, I know you can't. And I guess then, in my mind, it came to a bit where this was a shit consultation and also it was kind of like, I'm done. I was hungry. By this stage, I just wanted to cry. And I could feel the emotion bubbling up and I thought, I can't do this anymore. So I grabbed my walking stick and it fell. So I grabbed it again and I made sure I left nothing behind. I got up and I said... You're just not hearing me, are you? You just don't want to know. And he said, we're trying, you know, he was saying, I went, you know what? And I could feel the emotion bubble up. I got up and I went, fuck this. Walked through the door, opened it, went through. And all I can remember saying, like, there was a bloke there that was there with, I don't know, a relative or something. And all I remember saying was, fuck me. As I went out and I thought, that's it. I can't do this anymore. I felt so... Like, all hope had been dashed. And um, I got out of the hospital feeling so emotional. And I thought, what just happened? No one came after me. There was no nurse to see if I was okay. The appointment was there to say, kind of, like, I felt like I was making reference to something that hadn't even been factored in. That was the fact that mental health. To me, mental health means a lot. And... You know, being in the 21st century, every day people are aware of their mental health. They actively take steps to make sure that their mental health is okay. Throughout this whole ordeal, no one has kind of referenced to the fact that I've shown that I'm worried about my mental health and it should be factored in and that their template doesn't work for me. I think that it should be on a patient-by-patient case. And up until that point, I kind of thought that they were hearing me in a way. Not so much. Came out of the hospital and I just cried. I held my stomach and I cried and I sobbed. And all I remember, my other half came and I could feel my brother there as well. And I remember just sitting there and I thought I could walk around, like I could find a quiet spot to kind of gather my thoughts. And I'll be honest with you, I just wanted to die. I felt so hopeless, it, I felt so overwhelmed, and it was like, before it even got off the ground, it was like someone had dug it up, put it in the ground and say, stay there, you're staying there, you will like it, no, you will love it, kind of thing, and as I was sat there and I thought, I need to eat something, it had gone way past my lunchtime, it had gone way past, like, you know, usually I do something like, like, watch TV, or maybe do a bit of crafting, because that's how my brain works, it's, it's what's normal for me, and nothing, 
I remember sitting there and just, I couldn't stop the tears. I was in public, which I hate crying in public. He feels so vulnerable anyway. And then Jack said to me, let's get you home. And as I was walking, I thought, it's over. It, and I thought, what just happened? What just took place? That, surely that shouldn't be allowed to take place. And I thought, I can't, I'm not, this has been too much. This has been a battle that, how am I supposed to win in a battle when no one's on my side? The battle is endo. I mean, come on, you know. And as I walked home, I saw my mum and I just broke down in tears and I sobbed and I, I explained the appointment. I wanted, I kind of knew that if you guys were there that, I mean, my phone was directly on me and I was going to say on Instagram, but I didn't want to upset everybody. And I just wanted to kind of gather my thoughts. I'd hit the bottom. I felt hopeless. I actually, if I'm being honest, here's another trigger warning. I actually felt suicidal. I actually wanted to come home and end it all. I really did. And I, I guess to me that was like a sign of this is a dead end. This isn't going to happen. And um, I just came in and I said to mum about it and I said... That's it, I explained mum, you know, and I just remember sitting there and I felt so exhausted. That night, I had the biggest migraine. Uh, I usually, what angered me was I felt vulnerable from the appointment and I felt angry because usually when I get a migraine, I can feel it coming. So I can, I, I say, I have like a code word for firewall, which means that it's kind of like, and I've made reference to it before in the podcast, where... Imagine you're in a house and you're trying to stop your house from, you're trying to stop the fire from getting into the room you're in. So you make kind of like wet towels near the door to make sure that that can't get in. So it's kind of like a firewall. It prevents you from getting hurt. It prevents a thing hurt, wanting to hurt you coming at you. So for me, my firewalls are usually, I see aura, I, you know, I have some ibuprofen and they're my first line of defense. If it still ain't budging, something cold on the back of my neck. If it still ain't budging, a migraine strip on my forehead and drink plenty of water and also take some um, mints. But I will be talking about this in um, in a few episodes time. But I literally felt, I think because I had my mind focused on somewhere else, the migraine got to me and it held on. Boy, did it hold on. I puked. I, I literally felt, have you ever had a migraine where you feel like you're going to die because you're brain can't take it anymore and I just wanted to kind of forget the day I even had a bath you know which was very difficult for me because if I get out I usually don't have enough energy to have a bath and um I had a bath and you know mum and Jack took care of me the best way they could and I literally (laughs) puking up it I literally thought that was gonna you know I was gonna die when I went to bed that night I literally thought I wasn't gonna wake up and that's what I was trying to get across to these consultants that five years, no, seven years ago, give or take, that was my life. I used to go to bed thinking I'm not going to wake up because I was suffering from migraine. It's a very real condition. It affects your mental health. And um, so I remember, I knew that you guys, you guys are absolutely amazing. You guys, I knew that you direct messaged me and I knew that if I kind of, I know a lot of you were worried and I want to say sorry for making you worry, but thank you so much for all your support. I'll be honest, you guys and my family were what pulled me out. I literally felt I had nowhere to go. And um, I guess for me, it was kind of like a closing of a chapter. So I was talking to my mum about it and 
I made the decision. I actually, me and Jack looked online and saw like how much it would be to go private. And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of extortionate. There is no way that I could afford to go private. There's no way that I could afford to get on a plane to have this done. Me and Jack had a conversation and me and mum had a conversation and I have decided. Now, you guys might judge me for it, but I don't think you will. I think you guys would be more than supportive about my decision. For me, I am going to stay put. I am not going to, because me and Jack were talking about it. And I'm in, I'm approaching kind of like my mid-thirties soon. It can't be that long afterwards where I'm going to hit the menopause naturally anyway. And so, in two years, I don't think the endo has grown that much. But my instinct is saying the more surgery you have, the more it's going to come back. I kind of gave a thought of having another laparoscopy and I talked to Jack about it. And his kind of thought was, if you're having another laparoscopy, it's going to do damage anyway. But I've decided that I'm going to stay put as I am. So the hysterectomy to me is something kind of like, I don't know, I'm kind of, I guess I'm walking away from it because nothing should be that hard. And where I live, there's nowhere else you can go. And it's for me it feels better it was kind of like as a woman i guess that it's manageable you know as jack said you know i can stand up straight i can you know i'm not crippled in bed every day with endo if something happens further down the line we'll see then but for me i'm of the mind that i'm gonna remain as i am for now because that experience I want to forget all about it and the pain that I have generally is worse when I'm getting hormonal and I know it's there I have looked online and they say that some cysts can go away by themselves and also they may reference to the fact they don't know what it is so the sonographer said that it's an endometrioma but it could be a cyst that bleeds into itself if that's the case it's okay I'm not planning on having baby so you know but I guess my natural body's way of saying thinking was nothing ventured nothing gained but also mentally I learned a great big lesson of I guess who's around you who stays with you and you know the support and I've also learned kind of I guess nature does win. My instinct has been pushing me along this because of a solution. And women do have hysterectomies due to endometriosis, but I think I didn't have the correct team around me. Could be where I live, I don't know. But for me, the most safe thing for me right now, I mean, I'm building up for another period soon, which I don't think has helped, but I'm going to stick as I am. And that's a decision that kind of feels more secure right now and kind of feels more safe. And I think I need that. I think I've gone, I've gone through hell emotionally. I've questioned, I mean, I've gone through hell emotionally and physically this last week. I've, I've literally been turned upside down. And to me, that's not okay. No one should have to be like that. So 
I wanted to share this podcast episode. When I did it yesterday, I almost ended up in tears. But as I mentioned, the tablet that I used to present on um, didn't have enough juice. I charged it up about a week ago, but I noticed that it couldn't have been in that well. But for me, I just wanted to share it because I wanted to kind of... Those of us that have endometriosis, and I also wanted to tell you guys like what had happened at the appointment... I know that a lot of you ask, but if I'm being honest, I didn't have the energy to send individual messages. And um, I just wanted to say a big thank you to all the ladies that direct messaged me and said, you know, take the time. And it's been fucking hard, if I'm being honest. And in my mind, I don't think it should have been. If I could, what I've taken from that experience is that I think that they should have told me what every step should have been. And I think that they should have said, okay, you know, you're in pain. We know you have endometriosis. We completely understand. And my brother actually mentioned, I mean, as you might be aware, you know, my brother, he is a guy. He doesn't have periods. But a lot of what he said, I when I talk to people, I take what they say on board. And my brother was kind of, he made reference to the fact that something wasn't quite right. And, um, yeah, I guess... Learned a lot, but I believe that it should have been a lot, lot smoother. But I was ready, I think what it is, uh, mentally I was ready and prepared for the operation. I was mentally prepared to get a future, and I think to me the future was taken away. That future just didn't happen. It was cut short. When, um, the last few days I've gone through quite an amount of emotions. I've gone from feeling low, feeling unvalidated feeling like I don't belong, feeling as though, to be honest, I wonder why I was even born. So a lot of the emotions haven't been pleasant ones. And I've had to really grab hold of something to kind of get me through. I've been focusing on my other half, been focusing on my family. I've been knitting, which has helped. And um, been planning the future on the podcast too, which is, I think, I don't know if it's kind of like signs saying, you know, it didn't work out, keep going. I literally feel like I've been battling for months now and I'm exhausted by it. But yeah, I've decided that I'm I'm shutting the door on that. I can't I I literally can't do anymore. Nothing should be that hard. I filed a complaint and um I filed a complaint based on my experience as a patient. Based on my experience as not being heard, I made reference to the fact that I have mental health you know, that having migraine and stuff, it affects your anxiety, which is known as mental health. Depression, I get that if I have a lot of migraines because naturally your serotonin levels dip. So it, it's kind of like a natural thing. I've also learned a lot as well, and that is that I think a lot of how you think and feel is to do with what your body's experiencing. But a lot of what I had tried to explain to my consultants, I feel like it was just going over their heads. So I made a complaint and explained about the whole department, you know, about the whole department from start to finish from like, what happened back in April, I got an apology for that, but I still had repercussions from my experience up until last week. So I kind of felt like, I mean, I'm just a woman that sat behind a microphone sharing my experience. I don't know that People that tune in, you know, you might have migraines, you might have endo, you might, you have all different stuff, but you get something from tuning in, and I do too. And for me, I kind of feel like 
my right as a patient is to be as honest as I can and to share what my experience has been, hoping it might help someone else. And I know that a lot of women on has shared their experience on social media because that's what it's for. It's there to kind of show us what's happening in the world. And a lot of people in the endo community have said, like, you know, they've gone through a consultant. Even if you don't have that, you know, you might have come across a team that you feel like you're giving everything as a patient, you're not getting much back as, you know, as a patient. You're not getting... The communication's not going both ways. So I filed a complaint, and I kind of... I'm wondering what the result of that's going to be. But I've made the decision, I actually put in the complaint that... I have decided, and it's within my right, you can always say no, even if you're kind of booked in to have the surgery. You know, at any stage in anything you go through, you, if you if your instinct to say no, you can back away. It's what my other half said, you know, it's your body. You have rights and say over what happens to you. And um, so for me, I decided when I wrote the complaint that I would make reference to the fact that I'm no longer moving forward with a hysterectomy. But that as a patient, I feel completely let down and that I felt so distressed by after the appointment. But I feel kind of um, better now that I've told you guys about it. I'm sorry, this has been like a really long episode. But um, yeah, I've kind of, um, I've learned a lot, a lot of shit that I shouldn't have had to have learned. It should have been a lot easier. And I'm of the mind that age should not be discriminated against. You shouldn't have to be discriminated based on your gender, based on your age, based on your sexuality, nothing. And if something's not right, flag it up. That's something that I've done. As like a podcaster that speaks about chronic illness, my health team don't know about that. But to me, that's my thing that I do. And it, I guess it makes no odds that in my mind... If I can say something that flags something up, it might ha- it might save someone else down the line from going through the exact same thing. Living in this century we're living in, we're supposed to come on leaps and bounds. We're supposed to know that not everyone is the same. Everyone deserves to be treated as they are. No two people are the same. And for me, that's something that I've left here thinking, you really did me an injustice, you know, and so I'm waiting back to hear from the, com- um, the complaint, but in my mind, I feel like I'm okay to walk away and to focus on other parts of my life, because I think that's where I've been feeling so low, I've been focusing on just one aspect of my life, and I, there are so many more aspects, and I think if you focus on something that you find negative, it can have a severe impact on your mental health anyway. Um, so... Yeah, <laughs> that was my experience. Um, if you have any comments on this, maybe something similar has happened to you, let me know. Um, it's probably something that now it's done, I'll feel kind of more freer, I guess, because I've let you guys know how it's been. I've just checked to the amount of time I've been doing it, and I've now looked, and it's like just over 78 minutes. So I do apologise, but I hope that you understand that this was a really long appointment, and... It's been a shit week so far. I'm hoping that this week coming up will be better. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of like where I stand. That's what's happening to me right now. So, um, <laughs> what more can be said on that subject, I guess. 
I'm just looking forward to another week and to vibing and just hopefully getting out and about. I'd love to be able to see kind of like the Halloween stuff in the shops if I'm able to. I've been having a lot of fatigue this week. What with the seasons changing and everything and also as as um my friend Louisa pointed out that, you know, it's um it's a big thing you've been dealing with, so it's exhaustion, that's what it is. And also having chronic fatigue syndrome, you also have something called um PEM, which is post-exhaustion malaise. I think that's what I have, but that's completely normal for me because I have chronic fatigue syndrome. It just is what it appears, you know, it's part of it. So I want to say thank you again to everyone that's shown their support and even my family that's listening to this. I want to say thank you to my siblings. I want to say thank you to Jack. I want to say thank you to mum. And I want to say thank you to you guys because I don't, I don't know what would have happened if I didn't know that, I, you know, that my back, as I said on my story, on my Instagram story, I'm standing with an army and that's kind of something. It's scary, but it's good to know that, you know, you stand there and you, you've got your back covered, which is great. So thank you so much for listening to this. Um, we've got some great episodes coming up on the podcast. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone that's commented and also retweeted on their twitter about my podcast thank you so much for all the new listeners and for everyone that's taking the time and if you're an avid listener here i hope i mean if you're a new listener here get it right jim i hope that you will stay tuned because there's some amazing things coming up so we have a halloween special coming up if you might have seen it on my instagram stories if not then you know you feel free to direct message me or comment if you want to you can comment on this post when it goes live um i want to know if you've had any experiences to do with ghosts you know that was awful wasn't it i couldn't put much commitment into that okay i don't have a sound effects board here it's just me (laughs) but (laughs) i'm fine (laughs) so if you've had any experiences, I've had a few come in. So thank you so much for everyone that shared so far. We're going to be doing a Halloween special. I'm actually thinking about it. Okay, so Jack actually says to me, why don't you do it in the room with just a candle and a light out? So I can scare the crap out of myself in a room. You know, it sounds like fun, doesn't it? So um, <laughs> it'll add to the mood. Um, so yeah, I want to know. I'll be sharing some of my experiences too. And some of them sound quite similar, to be honest. So um, it's going to be a Halloween special and it's going to be really good. I'm really looking forward to doing it. We have um, a few episodes coming up where I'm going to be talking about migraines. I'm going to be talking about what I use when I get a migraine. So if you're a migraine sufferer, this might just help you out. Or if you want to let me know beforehand what helps you out in a migraine do you have firewalls what i've just mentioned where if you don't get to it you know like a preventative if you don't stop it before it starts you know what kind of migraines do you get do you get aura do not let me know and i might do a few shout outs as well and um we're also going to be doing the episode the episode that was supposed to be about what you do for a living you might remember on my social medias i asked you guys what you would like to do that was supposed to be this one, but because I wasn't quite happy with how it came out because it was the episode before I recorded, like before I went to the appointment, so it was a bit of like a negative one and I wasn't happy with how it came out, so hopefully this will be live, hopefully this coming week or next week, 
Um, and I'm hoping to get back into the vibe of it because I think that's it's good to have routine and rhythm. Um, so yeah, if you want to get involved, I will tell you how you can do that right now. So if you want to have your say, you can find out me on my socials. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. If you want to find me there, I'm at Gems Quirky. It's all very technological. If you want to find me on my website, it's thequirkygems.wordpress.com. If you want to follow me, you'll never miss an episode. But if social media works for you, that's great. You can listen to me via Spotify, the Anchor app, Stitcher app. Uh, Overcasts, Pocket Cast, and there's probably a lot of them. There's a lot of them out there, but you can listen to me on wherever you get your podcasts from. If you're, if you want to leave me some feedback, please do. I can add you to a testimonial page on my website. So thank you so much for everyone that's left feedback so far. There's some great stuff coming your way here at Quirky Gems Podcast, and um, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this. And uh, I just want to give you a roundup of what's been going on lately. So, the chronic illness, creativity and conversation. Keep it here, guys. Only, you know where, only at Kirky Jams Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and take it easy. Until next time.